Duct Tape and Paper Clips. I am Nathan Hartwick. And I'm Annie Russell. This is the show where we rewatch, review, and ridicule every episode of MacGyver for the first time since our childhoods to see if it still holds up. Yes, and tonight we are breaking down season one, episode seven. The title is Last, Last Stand. Stand. <laughs> I believe it's our first bottle episode. Uh, yes, I'm so excited. Indeed. Um, first, Annie, uh, what's going on? I saw something on your Instagram was like, what, what the fuck is that you just made? Oh, uh, I just made um, <laughs> like a, essentially a lemon tart. Uh, okay. Tarte uh, a citron. Um, okay. Yeah, I've been watching way too much British baking show um, nice. because as I've mentioned, uh, I'm not allowed to go outside. Um, <laughs> there are wildfire smoke everywhere and the air quality is so bad that like we're literally in our homes. Yeah. Uh, there's no hiking. There's no, you know, nothing that we would normally be doing outside is happening. So there's been a lot of cooking projects and baking. Uh, and is, your, is your dog just hate you right now? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. He does not understand uh, that I check the air quality monitor on a, you know, hourly basis yeah. <laughs> to try to see if we can take him to the dog park yet. Uh, and it, it, for days now we haven't been able to, I'm hopeful that like by the end of this next week, it's supposed to maybe clear up a little bit. Um, yeah. but yeah, no, the dog is in misery. Oh, um, that's awful. But, you know, is anything else going on? Is anything else fun in your life? <laughs> so, I I really like I have to say like work is pretty stressful. I edit the news um and that is <laughs> What's is wrong with the news right now? The news right seems now. like um, it was really funny because my husband uh, was on Twitter and saw that Trump is coming to California um, <laughs> on Monday, and he literally just looked up and said, "There goes your Monday." And I was like, "Yeah, no, that's that is correct. Oh. That's and right what... on time, just bang on time, like a month late." <laughs> um. Yeah, exactly. So, um, so yeah, it's it's pretty stressful, and like it was hard to move during a pandemic anyway. Yep. But it's really been like a, a constant um, barrage of new things that are upsetting. Um, but I'm baking a lot of really delicious things. So that's good. <laughs> I'm so glad. Oh, that's great. Awesome. Uh, so how's Vermont? Are you guys like trying to enjoy the last? Yes. We're trying to of, grab the last the vestiges good. of summer. Um, and it's finally turned a little cold, which is my favorite. Uh, yeah. it's, I mean, not to throw it in your face or anything that it's like sweater weather now. Um, <laughs> and we're strolling around outside, but, um, I wanted to ask you a question because this podcast, oftentimes we get into like, uh, what was your childhood like questions? Mm. Um, and I wondered if you ever had in your childhood, an adult who yelled at you when you, when you're playing with friends got so loud that one of you like screamed in a way that sounded like bloody murder. And they would say, they would like grab your arm and be like, don't you ever do that. Like, it's like the boy who cried wolf thing. Do you, did you have oh, anybody like who like, like a really harsh. Yeah. So, okay. I, I will say this. I was not really that kind of kid. Like I <laughs> was watching episodes of new heart by myself oh, okay. and reading quietly. <laughs> right. Like I was not um, okay. running around and screaming. Yeah, uh, yeah. My younger brother, however, was that kind of kid. Yeah. And there was one time in particular, where my parents were not home and our neighbor uh, was watching us. And my brother decided this was like a really good time to hop on a bike. He had one of those like smaller BMX yeah. style bikes. Stunt bike. Uh, 
Yeah, he somehow got onto the roof of our shed. What? Uh, with that bike, and he, uh, we also had a big trampoline, you know, the, mm. one of those like big trampolines, and he managed to. <laughs> I do like, not like where this is going. <laughs> go off the roof onto the trampoline, and then like you know onto the ground, and he had fashioned some like ramps, and he essentially was trying to make like his own obstacle course. Sure, um, yeah. And our neighbor comes running over and was just horrified. And I, I heard her like grab him and yeah. be like, what are you doing? Um, and in a way that like my parents were way more, uh, <laughs> lenient. Yeah. Well, first of all, that never would have happened if my parents were home sure. because it just, you wouldn't have done it. But, um, my parents were not like physical people, yeah, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. you would never get like grabbed or smacked or anything. Yeah. Um, and it was, I remember it just being like, oh, okay. So like, you really don't want to mess with Mrs. Thompson. Like right. she is yeah. serious. Yeah. Sometimes they have to like go outside their own boundaries to like, yeah, scare the shit out of kids. Yeah. yeah. Like I just remember, uh, yeah, that, that made me think of a time when my grandmother, my grandmother used to make maple syrup in her own little like sugaring shack. Of course. Like, I'm yeah, of mine. course that happened. Uh, and she, she gave us a lecture when we were very small about never, ever, ever, ever touching the boiler. Then 10 minutes later, I was playing in a mud puddle and I was pretending to fish and I flipped a whole bunch of mud up into my eye and I started screaming and she came running out thinking that I had touched the boiler because she had just told me not to touch the boiler and she thrust both of my hands in a (laughs) snowbank. (laughs) <laughs> just out of reflex. Um, anyway, that's not the story I wanted to tell. I just wanted to mention that we're sitting in our backyard listening to these neighbor kids scream like joyful screams. They have a trampoline too, actually. They're just having so much goddamn fun, which you never uh, want to hate on. But uh, but many times their play will get to a point where one of them is screaming in that way that sounds like one of them's being hurt, you know? And I just remember that being like a real strict uh, code with my parents. Like you never, ever scream in a way that sounds like you really need help or you're in, you're hurt unless you're actually That's hurt. That's such a specific directive uh, yeah. for your parents to say. There is one positive thing about the air quality thing I want to mention real quick. So there <laughs> is, I've developed a nemesis in my neighborhood here in Berkeley and it's a family. <laughs> um, it's a, a, a set of parents and like a preteen boy. Uh, uh-huh. And what they do is they, play hacky sack in the middle of the street every single day (laughs) and it's so bizarre because every time like I'm pulling my car you know to try to make a right on their corner or like I'm walking by with a dog or anything like that they just give you this look that's like we're so zany like you're gonna have to ask us to move because we're playing hacky sack we're so kooky Eh." (laughs) and I hate them so much (laughs) And the air quality has made it so they have to stay inside. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm very happy about it. Yeah, and they're, you know they're not playing hacky sack inside because there's no one to uh, pay them any attention. They, it's all about the attention for them, and I know this because they have a yard. Right. Uh, they okay. instead choose to play hacky sack. Oh, in that's the in, that, that is infuriating. <laughs> not e- not even on the sidewalk in the street. Oh, that's terrible. So that you have to interact with them if you want to get by them, uh, which I just find so, so obnoxious. Well, you're going to have to keep us updated on that. That's going to be an ongoing uh, subject on this podcast. Uh, Well, that's all great. Uh, I'm glad you're hanging in there. Uh, We have a special guest tonight. He's going to help us break down the episode. Uh, He's the host and creator of this wonderful podcast called Brown and Out, which features interviews with LGBTQ people of color in Vermont. And he's a very funny and very smart person. Please welcome 
from Reggie Condra. Hi, Reggie. Hi, everybody. How's it going? Um, Great. Can you hear me all right? Am I coming through? You're coming Perfect. through crystal okay. clear. Good. I I'm doing well or fairly well. Um, <laughs> how was your week? Did you do anything fun or different this week? I know. I, I hate to ask people like how they're holding up because how they're holding up, we know. Like, like did anything, was anything different this yeah, week? Yeah, we know everyone's hanging on by a thread, but I guess <laughs> right, like right. what is your thread like? What's new? <laughs> I, I spray painted a lamp yesterday. Day. Oh, fun. Okay. Um, yes. So I had a big um, weekend adventure with that. Uh, I don't like how it came out, though, unfortunately. So drama. It, I mean, um, not to be a da total dad or like, uh, yeah. dare I say, a MacGyver about it, but is the paint uh, uh, fire resistant? <laughs> I think so. Yeah. It's you know, a Rust-Oleum situation. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. But it's a, an older lamp and um, it this is a lot of detail. Um, it's sort of a, a brassy look and I spray painted a part of it that was green gold. Okay. And it's really not the same. Um, mm. I need it to be more a darker brassy color and it's not, yeah. and I'm going to have to order another can of spray paint basically. Yes. Yeah. Gotcha. It's a whole thing. I mean, we got nothing but time. <laughs> I've been thinking about that. I was thinking about trying to paint inside, like uh, paint some oh. of our house inside. And I'm like, well, I could go there and stand there in the hardware store, you know, looking at all these samples and everything, touching all these things other people have touched. Or I could just <laughs> buy a can of paint online and see what it looks yeah. like when I slap it on the wall. <laughs> That's the safer yeah. option. It yeah. is. Yeah. And you can also, I think you can get like a sample book delivered to you. And then Probably. you can yeah. just look at all of the, the see, samples. I knew and... you'd know this stuff. You're okay. good at this shit. I <laughs> Just, you know. I'm just saying, you might yeah. as well get the all of the information right. before you. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't. That's not really how I roll. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, speaking of uh, uh, fix it stuff, Reggie, what was uh, do you you now? I I think I brought you on because you said that you used to watch this show when you were a kid. Am I right? Yes. Um, so I, I'm thinking back on it. So I don't know if MacGyver was in syndication mm. or what, but I vividly remember um, my best friend and I watching the episodes like in the morning i want to say so that's probably like syndicated and um kind of trying to recreate a lot of the different scenes um when we were playing uh but yeah also very much uh awakened my homosexuality i think um <laughs> because <laughs> would you just take a look at this man yeah. Yeah. oh we um, we've looked at him we were continuing <laughs> to look at, at him, him every, every episode nathan you agree annie you I agree very much yes agree. Yeah. 100%. i mean 10 solid 10 you're catching him right now at his like real peak you know this oh, is yeah. like the, the youngest oh, and he, hottest he's ever he gonna be some slight like weathering around the yeah. eyes yeah. like just enough to be like yes Dad. yeah but on him it looks like intentional like mm. it looks like he's <laughs> trying to to have like that seasoned look to him, well i read you know? i read something that mm. said that before he got this job like before when he was a struggling actor he biked across the entire country himself like all by himself oh, now so, that'll do it that'll, that'll do give it, you anyway. that suntan yeah right weathered yep. broken in look well great uh well that's exciting because I, I always like uh it's interesting to me to talk to people who like grew up on it the same way I did. Um, and we're going to jump into our discussion of this episode. Uh, can we get a, a summary, Annie? Yes. Just to refresh our memory. <laughs> so here's a quick summary. Uh, opening gambit. No opening gambit this episode. Typically, there is a, yeah. a scene that happens before the opening credits that, uh, once again, has nothing to do with the rest of the episode. Uh, <laughs> but we don't have one because we are spending all of our time yeah. in this 
airstrip diner <laughs> slash helicopter garage uh, yep. with these folks. And so what goes on is on his way to a solo fishing vacation, MacGyver takes a wrong turn and stumbles into a diner at a small airstrip where everyone is acting really weird. He discovers the airstrip has been taken hostage and he has been caught in the middle of an attempted robbery and plane hijacking. So of course, MacGyver uses his ingenuity to try and free himself and the other hostages and stop the criminals. Yes. Oh, yes. it's high action the whole way. We're going to talk about uh, what we think worked and what didn't work and then how it well, if we feel it holds up now. Before we dig into all of that, what's uh, what are our first impressions of this episode, I guess? What are our kind of short takeaway impressions of this episode? Reggie, what, what, was, what were your thoughts having probably not seen the show in a while? Thank you for giving me that out because I was going <laughs> to, I was, I was going to say I kind of jumped in on this episode seven and I had a couple of questions. Are, are there supporting other characters that are usually, you know, helping him along or does he roll solo usually? I, I missed, I remember so little, rather. Yeah, right, right. He is usually solo. We're right now. We're only seven episodes into this, and so literally, it's pretty unclear like who he works for, what's right. the deal, um, and there's not really characters that uh, carry over from episode to so episode. So far, he's met two different old friends that he really seems to like. Two or three <laughs> different old friends that he really <laughs> seems to like, and they're dead by the end of the episode. Yeah. Oh, so it's just that's him. Bad luck. <laughs> but I, he is. We, I do know that just from my ten-year-old brain, I know eventually he's gonna have a he's gonna have a guy who sends him on these missions at the Phoenix Foundation, Pete. And once we get Pete in the mix, we, where there's someone who actually gives a shit about him, uh, then you know who can send him out on things and be his friend, then things are gonna change a little bit. But yeah, right now he's just a free agent solo guy running around. So Pete is like his Charlie. Like yeah, exactly. Fixer. Yeah, eventually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. And, I, I mean, yeah, go ahead. Oh, well, I said my last point, my last initial reaction was that the dangly earring thug, you know the one I'm talking <laughs> about? Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. The twink, okay, <laughs> um, is a queer icon, and I didn't even understand <laughs> That we had representation back in 1985, to... and the little the one? guy who gets knocked out with the, yes. the yeah, right. whatever that uh, mechanical part is, right, he just right. like hits him in the face. I, I wrote, is this guy Mick Jagger or Eric Idle? I don't know. <laughs> He's very fun. He was adorable, and I noticed the asymmetrical earring. I noticed so. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What, what were your thoughts, Annie? Like overall? Okay, so. One thing that jumped out at me was it's just crazy how invested MacGyver is in so many aspects of this situation. Um, He was so concerned with uh, the woman's relationship history and whether or not she was going to be happy in the future. With or without Vietnam vet guy um, who doesn't actually seem to be that into her. I just want to point that out. (laughs) That was a big takeaway that I had. Those demons. And at the end, you know, my like vibe of this episode was that we're just trying to get away from these people who are taking us hostage. Mm. Um, And then at the end, the sort of 
the mission seems to turn from that into actually stopping them from getting away, which just seemed to me to make no sense because the whole thing is you want to get away from these guys. Then you also want to stop them, um, from leaving for some reason, even though they're trying and threatening to kill you. Um, (laughs) they never detain him at any point, really. Like they, they lock him in the, um, freezer later but like before that they're all just like sauntering around this diner it just feels like the stakes are low um and it i don't quite understand why macgyver is so invested so those are initial initial impressions i like all that yeah i mean i i I will say that i i enjoyed this one uh I, i like the story structure i like some of the gags um, I liked the single location thing where they sort of turn the heat up on them like as the episode goes along. <clears throat> Obviously, there's some stuff that's pretty sexist and pretty racist, which we'll get into, I'm sure. Yes. <laughs> which really makes you stumble when you're like having a good time and then you're like, oh, for Christ's sake. But yeah, I, I, I didn't hate it. I thought it was exciting and fun. Let's jump into it. Let's get into like what what were your kind of favorite parts? What do you what parts didn't you think worked very well, etc. Um one thing I'll say that I liked and this is uh, sort of an unconventional thing for a person to like. I liked that they shot that guard at the beginning because <laughs> in previous episodes yeah. of MacGyver, yep. we don't really get a sense that the bad guys are bad at all. They're right, just, right. they, they don't seem actually that willing to harm someone. And there's like no stakes to the situation right. at the very least. Like we get the vibe that these uh, hostage uh, takers are are bad they and willing business, to hurt yeah. people, and they yeah they definitely mean business. So I thought that they made a good call uh, there in actually setting the tension, and I thought that like they built the tension over the course of the episode uh, in a way that they've done more effectively than in previous. Yeah, uh, yeah, totally. I agree with you. I think like the idea that like MacGyver comes up with this whole gag just to get him out and save his life and then they shoot him anyway really makes you realize how bad they are and it makes you realize how real what a wild card this this buddy guy is and it yeah. really feels like he might shoot another one of these hostages at some point in the episode like you don't know that he won't I, and I was very conflicted about buddy because like I was into him but yeah, I, I was also like he <laughs> he's just, all over the place there was uh, there was he Reggie, was all you over have the opinions place. about buddy what are your opinions about buddy uh, buddy really did uh just <laughs> take every opportunity to steal the scene didn't he yes um i mean again probably something in my uh young burgeoning homosexual brain was turned on by buddy at the time i i can't i can't really say but maybe that's that's why i'm into bad boys now <laughs> lol um I, you don't remember this specific episode from your I, childhood, do you? I don't, but it must have shaped and formed yeah, me subconsciously, in some sure, yeah. real way. <laughs> it would have I, had to. <laughs> I was I was struck by the sheer blind confidence of MacGyver. Yeah, very mm-hmm. attractive. Definitely something I was into. Um, and I want to say how well the term "like a hot knife through butter" has held up because. <laughs> Well, he said it twice, if you notice. MacGyver he did? did he said it twice in this episode, mm-hmm. like a hot knife through butter. And it it's a phrase that pays, I would say. Um, 
I'm going to make it a commitment to use it more. Yeah. I, I took note of it too, because it's not something you hear every day. And I was like, what are, why, what are you doing? And sometimes MacGyver's like story time goes off the rails in a way that I don't like. Um, and I will say that the whole thing with him trying to find the fishing hole, I got hung up on the fact that like he supposedly grew up in Minnesota <laughs> and we are clearly not in Minnesota. No, we are Was in it Colorado. I think Arizona. Based Arizona. On the, the flags. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. Yeah. But, but any, obviously filmed in Southern California. California. <laughs> <laughs> but man, uh, I agree with you. I, I think, uh, I had a moment I hated and a moment I loved right away. Like right away, the idea of, I was like, everything is so got to be so on the nose in the eighties. You re they really hammer what's happening home. This idea that he like, what does he say? Every once in a while you're wind up at a crossroads and then we see him at a crossroads yeah. and he's chewing on an apple and it's like, we get it, man. Okay, you're at a fucking literal crossroads. It's just so on well, the nose. Well, and they really hammer in the wholesomeness of MacGyver in this episode because yeah. the way that they illustrate that these guys are bad is that they're drinking beer, literally. Right. And he is seen eating an apple. Right, um, yeah, yeah. And it's just, it could not be more stark. But the thing I, I loved was... This was one of the first th instances we've seen where the storytellers have set something up for us that we are meant to slowly figure out without them explaining the shit out of it. So, mm. like, he rolls into town. He's looking to get gas or whatever, get directions. He sees this guy who's got his hand behind the behind the wall who's kind of like, what's up? And then he walks in and there's a weird vibe. And clearly there's something wrong, right? We don't know what... By the way, I thought that the, the Vietnam vet guy, uh, I thought that was Rick from from Magnum PI. It was not, <laughs> but I was sure that was him. Um, and then he kind of like, it takes him a minute to figure out what's going on. And we figure it out obviously before we see the word help on the, on the coffee cup. But I just appreciated that there wasn't like a, a narration where MacGyver was like, something was weird. Uh, uh, something was off about my dad always told me, well, you can always spot something's going on. Like they would have done that in previous episodes. Right. So it's just nice to not have them talk down to us and be able to like, just slowly figure it out, uh, figure it out as an audience. Yeah, they built some tension. They actually right. let let it <laughs> right. be kind of uncomfortable for a second, um, yeah. you know, for us to catch up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Along the lines of things that work, the Vietnam vet role felt real and relevant. Um, you know what I mean? Like that character was 10 years removed from the Vietnam War. So, you know, those guys were definitely out there and... And we had like no. two two sides of the Vietnam vet coin in this episode, right? We had the psychopath who goes on killing sprees, and then we yeah. had the guy who can't get over his PTSD, right? Yeah, right. and he, who's like stuck. Like he yeah. just, he's in this pattern where like he's not getting over the trauma that he experienced and he can't figure out what to do next, which I feel like is relatable. Totally, yeah. Um, so once we get into this situation, yeah, I mean, it's just a very cartoonish kind of bad guy situation, but I also like the main bad guy. He's hammy, the guy in the suit. Uh, but at least he's not Trumbo. <laughs> I mean, we do have the scenery chewer in the, uh, in buddy for sure. Yeah. See, I liked buddy better than I liked other. See, you say other yeah. main bad guy. There's a reason why we don't remember his name because there's, he's, Got right. nothing going. Um, Speaking of unmemorable, I literally was two thirds of the way through the episode and they showed the guy, 
the uh, the other henchman. What is he? A Hispanic right. guy, right? Yeah. And I was like, who the fuck was that? Nowhere. And then I went back and looked at it. He's Popped been up. in it the whole time. That he was <laughs> next to the helicopter. You're like, where did you come from? He you never got been... he never got a close up or a line for the first two thirds of the episode. I was no. like, who the fuck are you? <laughs> All right, hold it steady for me, will you? I want to see what Reggie thinks about this super racist depiction of this like cook oh, guy yeah. and the mm-hmm. fact that Tennyson I, has a name Tennyson. Jumped, <laughs> I fucking jumped out of my chair when he grabbed him and called him boy. I was yeah. like, what the Bu- fuck? Buddy, our charismatic villain. Yes. <laughs> uh, but Tennyson, my take on Tennyson yeah. is he clearly was used in a very... Uh, what is the word? Perfunctory yeah. in a very like utilitarian way. I mean, the the main henchman who we uh, forget their name was like, <laughs> oh, he's he'll cook anything you want. Like you know, it's like okay, we get it. We get his role right off the bat. Right. He's the cook, and that's his purpose. But then he does step up in these moments to protect these white people and to be like, <laughs> you know, like, you're not going to talk to her like that. And it's like, yeah. okay, cool, great. But with Tennyson, there was this uh, magical Negro trope that yeah. came up. He saved, he, and it, he saved the day because right. he encouraged, you know, the vet when he said, uh, this is one of those times when you go one way, or the other and you know and that choice determines like, like the, right. the rest of your life Wait, do you mean like a literal crossroads is that what you mean i you know <laughs> they really brought it on home why wasn't this episode called crossroads oh I, i'm shocked that it wasn't <laughs> i really am yeah so that that's my take on it it was very um typical and then he has another moment at the end too where he he like points out to everybody that like you can't trust them to not kill us. Like right. they're going to, and, right. and we need to, we need to stand up. So it is, it's like this trope of him being like, you know, shining the light on a situation. <laughs> yeah. Um, when, yeah. But at the same time, like they spent the first two thirds of the show, like making sure you knew he was, he was old and enfeebled and subservient yes. and not a threat at all. Mm-hmm. And like, and then he steps up at the end and like, you know, makes the white person do what they're supposed to do. Jokes right? on you. Yeah. <laughs> right. But that's the thing though. It's like he steps up, but they don't actually allow him to have no. the moment of not doing the thing. He's no, just not. encouraging the white person right. to do it. And um, they do, which... they do give him the gun at the end and let him train the gun on buddy, which I thought was hilarious. He said, do you think you can handle this guy? He's like, of course. And he marches him away. And I'm like, there's no way that guy can handle that guy. That guy is a fucking murderer and you are an 87 year old. (laughs) There's no way he's going to turn around, grab that gun. And anyway, uh, I don't know. I think he might've killed buddy. I think think that could happen. Um, I hope so. Uh, so, uh, oh, so now that we're talking about problematic shit, the threat of sexual violence the entire time. Mm, Yeah. So you have like these these people are bad because they're uh, harassing this woman and and sexualizing and objectifying her. And these people are the good guys because they're like standing up for her in this situation. Right. But it gets real weird and creepy. Yes. Seeing it from a modern standpoint is so hard to watch. Like it makes I don't know. Did you guys feel that way? Yeah. And I felt like the only sort of they do this thing where the 
um, the bad guy crew just says these overt things. Like they mm-hmm. basically in so many words are like, we are going to rape you later. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and sh- her response to that in the writing is just these like sassy comebacks. It's like they're flirting like, too hard with her. Yeah. Or yeah. And it's like, she's her, their comebacks are like, I'd like to see you try or like, I don't think so buddy. Or like whatever it was that she said, it just like did not feel proportional to the situation at all. And then they have, they bring in like the white knights, um, in, in MacGyver and to a lesser extent, um, Tennyson and the Vietnam vet as the people who are just like, you better not touch this woman. Cause I've decided that she's off right. limits. Right, uh, exactly. and that is just one. It, it reminds me of like when a guy is doing something creepy to you and then they find out that you are in a relationship and then they're like, Oh, sorry, man. Didn't mean to, <laughs> didn't mean to do that to your girlfriend. It's I didn't like, know someone else had dibs on you. Exactly. Like, it's like the, the relationship status is not the reason why you shouldn't do that. <laughs> right, like right. That's there's a whole other thing going on. So yeah, super dated. Uh, yeah. and MacGyver's relationship to her was super weird. Like they didn't have that sexual tension. Like they didn't have the sexual relationship or, overtly flirty relationship as he has with other women, but they have this really strange, well, they're uh, close talking a lot. And when she's, when she says, uh, Dave and I make allowances for each other, I was like, what are you talking about? Like you're, are you in a relationship with this dude? Or are you not like, what are you open? Like what's like, I couldn't understand what she was even getting deal? at there. And she and MacGyver have this like, intimacy way too quickly where they're Again, like, oh. this happens with MacGyver in every episode. He gets too intimate with the people he's involved with too fast. Yeah, he's like, I'll, I'll wish for your happiness if you wish for mine or whatever they were saying. And by the way, we have no idea what it is MacGyver wants or is wishing for. He just <laughs> makes some vague thing. It's like, I want things too. He wants justice. What do you think, Reggie? You're making a lot of faces. I, well, over there. I, I just does this character pop back up? I was looking for the name of the town. Do we remember it? Uh, Sparrow Ridge. Is that what Thank it is? Yeah. We're, we're going to go with that. Like, yeah. is there an episode like Return to Sparrow Ridge in season oh, two? I'm sure there is. I don't oh, well, fully doubt it. Can I? Can I wish for that? Can I yeah. wish? Can I wish for the spinoff Tennyson? Can I wish yeah. for that? Like Tennyson, the spinoff. <laughs> It'll get it'll get canceled after six episodes, but I want yeah. Tennyson. I want to see it. I love it. Um, and some things they're just not meant to have that kind of closure. Like we get what we get. I'm yeah. well. Closure is not their strong suit <laughs> in this show. Um, really, I think what they're more concerned with is keeping you excited right up until the final moments, and then they give you the perfunctory one line ending, and then it's credits roll, baby. Yeah. Um, yeah, but in terms of like the stuff, the um, the actual inventions and, yeah. and gimmicks that he does, um, I mean, the the bicycle torch thing I loved. Pretty cool. I thought that yep. was very cool. Although there's no way they would have stood around for that long while he filed it all down. <laughs> no. But still. Um, and zero people helping him like he's just (laughs) filing everything down into a powder which by the way like that has to take hours right (laughs) to do that like that's not a thing you just quick do also um, that was the thing I loved the gimmick I did not was the freezer thing uh, freezer oh my Mm. god what 
was this was that, an that this was an work? out loud like I just made noises out loud when I figured out what he was doing because <laughs> I was like, this is something that would take literally hours and hours and hours for you to get enough water for it to freeze for it to expand enough to make break that line. There is, I mean, none of what he does is like realistic, but <laughs> I think there is. I think we should like make a list of the least realistic things, and this is. Right at the top of it for me. I was like, come the fuck on. You sound offended. I was because they're um, usually so they're usually so smart about it. And there's so many ways to get out of a freezer. Uh, there, mm-hmm. Name two others. Okay. Um, <laughs> I don't know what there is in there. But if I could put other things in there as a writer, then I'm sure I could find some way to break that lock in a clever way. He made a fucking blowtorch out of a bike, you know? <laughs> like, he did make a blowtorch. Also, I, what I want to point out is in that period of time when he was in the freezer, he still had a homemade bomb on his person that he didn't <laughs> use earlier. Oh, and good why call. not just use that to get out of the fucking could freezer? could have literally duct taped that to the lock and blow yes, the lock. Because when he tries to um, get away from them earlier yeah. in the episode and the guy it has the gun on on our lady friend he tells him to drop the bomb he extinguishes it they never take it from him so he just fully still had that bomb on him the whole time (laughs) i could not stop thinking about that uh i i remember this being exciting when i was a kid whenever macgyver gets on goes undercover and the bad guys find out what a fucking badass he is and how many skills he has and how useful he can be to a criminal operation it's so fun because his moral code doesn't want he doesn't want to help them, but his ingenuity impresses them. Right. And yes. I could, like, I'd see a little bit of that here where they were like watching him work and they were like, this guy should be on our crew. Right. Except he's like always too good. Mm-hmm. Should we talk about the moment when Dave uh, has his monologue? Cause I thought that was like perfectly well done. This guy is a decent actor and it's not poorly written, but it did feel like a real monologue. It was like, we're going to give this guy his big speech and he's going to mm-hmm. sit there and dig a hole and give this big speech about the chrome plated revolver at the back of his head. It was just a little extra for me. <laughs> yeah. I guess I would have liked to have seen any scene with him and uh, the woman who, unfortunately, I don't remember <laughs> name her name. You don't remember? Um, I want to say Laura, but it's probably not Laura, that. <laughs> I, I, let's say we'll go with Laura. Yeah. Like I would have wanted to see any scene with them or understand anything about their history because that took me out of it. Well, they, they make accommodations for each other, so... Right. Which, what does that mean? I mean what, what does that, that mean? mean? <laughs> um, I liked lateral cranial impact enhancer. I thought that was clever and fun. That's a fun little moment of like humor, which is nice. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the fact that the truck, the fire, the fire truck race didn't work. It felt like this could have been the end of an episode where they get yeah. away. And the fact that it didn't work and they're back stuck in that fucking diner again feels like a real pickle, you know? As, as Hillary said in a previous episode, a spy pickle. <laughs> yeah, it felt like a like a thing that would happen in like a horror movie for real. Oh, I'm just going down my list now. And uh, this lady who owns the airport uh, that uh, it says on the sign out front offers flying lessons. He won't fly it. She can't fly it. Who's teaching the lessons at this airport? <laughs> I, I'm upset that like MacGyver knows so many things, but not right? how to fly a helicopter that seems really unbelievable (laughs) to me i feel like in any other episode he would just hop in a chopper and and get out of there you know absolutely but then we don't get the war critique you know i mean then we don't get to (laughs) learn about the follies of war right right 
I mean, him finally decided to get in. Dave finally decided to get in that chopper and fly it. Really didn't matter all that much in the end, you know? No. We went through a big arc for this, for this, so he could knock the guy over with his helicopter foot. All right, my name is Lincoln Macy. I am a helicopter pilot. I have been flying for 20 years, first for the Navy and now for the state of Maine. Awesome. Perfect. I'm also an airplane pilot, so I have thoughts on the airplane scenes as well. I wondered that, actually, because there's like, it is kind of, it's a weird place that they're in. It's like a diner, but also an airport. Have you ever been to anything that looks like that before? To be honest, I will say that it's not abnormal for a small little airport to have a cafe attached. Yeah, yeah. I mean, gotcha. that one seemed particularly remote, so it's hard to believe the restaurant does a good business. Right, right. Cer certainly not enough business to have a freezer the size of my house, apparently, right. where, yeah, where the two of them were trapped. <laughs> the side of beef hanging, you know, like most restaurants, cafes right, have right, in right. the back. <laughs> you need an entire cow at a restaurant that small. So what, were his, what was your opinion on the, the plane stuff? So it starts out with uh, they, that plane calls in, He's, the pilot says he has a short in his trim control, which trim basically is, it reduces the control friction. So when you're turning the yoke, hmm. you can, if it, if it kind of wants to go one direction, you can use these little trim tabs on the wings and the control surfaces to reduce the stress. Yeah. So you're talking about kind of like just fine tuning your, right? Your controls. Is that it? Is that it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So which, whatever, that's a real problem. So they hmm. says, can you fix it? Sure. So they land. And Dave, the mechanic, who has a terrible case of PTSD. Right. <laughs> the worst I've seen, yeah. He goes out and he immediately opens up the engine on the airplane, which is nothing to do with trim <laughs> at all. As a pilot, I'm like, they could have just said they were having engine problem. Like, why did they have to right. make up this other problem? Right, right. And, and then even after when they fix it, they start it up and the pilot's like, well, she still sounds a little rough. And I'm thinking, yeah, but you said it was a trim problem. You said right. nothing about the engine. <laughs> so that was my first thing I noticed. And the second thing I noticed, I can't remember the order here, but the the bad guys, Buddy, the 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 real yeah, badass. The psycho, yeah. Yeah, he he's gonna be their pilot, right? And the dude is drinking beer the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> is yes. that really what you want your pilot to do? They do tell him to go easy at one point. They're like, Yeah, yeah they're you gotta you gotta fly us out of here, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Did you and you did Jackie Earl Haley was not ready for that guest appearance. Who? The the little short guy. That's he's from Bad News Bears. Really? Yeah, he's he's um well, I can't remember that he was like the badass in in Bad News Bears, the kid that was drinking and smoking and on a motorcycle. Oh wow. Okay, I didn't yeah. know that. So, I'm trying to think of what's next in the aviation mess-ups. Oh, okay. So, that when they finally like the the final action sequence starts, the two bad guys are in the airplane and they're, they're like going to leave the rest of their friends behind. Mm. They're, they're driving down the grass. I don't know if you noticed that. I did adjacent, notice that, yeah. Adjacent to the runway. Right, right. Which no airplane would ever do that. And I, the only reason I can think they did it is because MacGyver had to sneak up and mm -hmm. jump on the plane and he was kind of hiding behind a car. Sure, and got I, it, I, them I'm, closer to him. Yeah, I think they're like, yeah. he can't run all the way out to the runway because they're going to see him. <laughs> so, That's funny. He MacGyver jumps on the, the tail of the airplane and he starts shaking the rudder, which is that vertical control surface on the right. back. And in the cockpit, the pilot's doing this and he's like, MacGyver's, MacGyver's 
yanking the controls. Yeah. The only problem with that is that the rudder, that vertical fin on the back, yeah. that's controlled by the pedals. Okay. So MacGyver shaking that thing back and forth would do yeah. nothing to the yoke. It would be his right, feet right. that were bouncing back. His feet back. Being bouncing up and down. <laughs> that doesn't make for as exciting a sequence, I don't think. No one's going to notice that except for a pilot. It feels like they just... They just got a plane for the day and they were like, okay, open up the hood. That'll look good, right? They have no idea what trim control is. It's just in the script. Right. Well, I mean, the thing is, is that some pilot must have flown that airplane into that runway. So they could have just asked him. Right. Usually (laughs) what I think is the pilot, they probably do ask someone and then they're like, yeah, but that doesn't look good. Right. And then the other thing I enjoyed about that sequence is you can see in a couple shots when MacGyver jumps off the airplane, the pad that they attached on the the elevator so that the stunt man wouldn't slip around. Oh, really? Yeah. It's just some lazy, (laughs) lazy filmmaking. Like no one will notice that. So this is the most disappointing part. I actually found the helicopter sequences very accurate. Okay. (laughs) That's not, I mean, that's not bad. Um, (laughs) No. So they didn't really make the common TV movie tropes with helicopters. So what are those? Almost every time there's a helicopter in a movie or television, the sound, you know, is 80 yard and it's mm-hmm. almost always a specific helicopter, a Huey, the mm-hmm. one that you see in Vietnam movies. Right, they just, right. they, they, that's like, they have some stock sound effects of that. And that's no matter what the helicopter is, that's right. what you hear. But huh. they, they, this thing that, that was a Bell 47, he started it and that was the actual, that was an actual Bell 47 starting. And then they kind of, they had that low camera angle of the aircraft taking off. And here's the other problem with pilots in movies is they do this with the controls, no matter they just, what they're doing. They just yank the controls around like, like, like it would be the equivalent of like a person driving a car, just yanking the wheel back and forth and the car remaining still. Right. Yeah, exactly. So mm-hmm. in real life, you, the, the controls that you have that you're touching in a helicopter, you move fractions of inches. Mm. They're just tiny little movements, which again, probably doesn't look cool on video sure, or on yeah. tape. So, but when they, so when they showed him taking off that he was doing very little movement with his hands, which I was like, okay, that's accurate. So mm-hmm. they were like two for two. So is there like a co-pilot that we can't see who's actually flying? Is that what's going on? Yeah. That, there was a guy to his right. Yeah. Right. Okay. And then the flying again, real sound effects. It was a real bell 47 sound effects. Mm-hmm. And well, you found the practical stunt unimpressive. Yeah. <laughs> I, I will say I was semi-impressed. I mean, from a flying standpoint, could you do could you do that? I guess is what I'm asking. <laughs> I think that I could, but I mean, I never would try because the price for failure is pretty high. Right, right. right. But I do think that they did it. I think that a stuntman was on the ground and the hel- the pilot flew up and bumped him with his with his skid. Which yeah, I don't know. I thought that was kind of pretty impressive. Yeah, I mean, I guess, yeah, how would you even practice something like that without getting it wrong? You know, I guess he, he's, he's got to come down and touch him gently and fly away, right? Yeah, which I, I would say is difficult. It's hard to say how fast your skid is coming forward. I mean, you can try to go slow, but it's not going to take a lot of force for it to be pretty jarring for the stunt yeah. actor. So I was, I have to say I was semi-impressed. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it was fairly obvious that the guy being hit was not the same actor, but... Yeah, not even close. Yeah. They didn't even try and yeah, I, yeah. I, know, I noticed the helicopter pilot the second time I watched it. I'm like, that guy's wearing a baseball hat. They couldn't tell him to take the baseball hat off. <laughs> I did not notice that. Oh, that's funny. Well, that's great. Um, any other thoughts about the aviation in this episode? This oh, is all the only, great. The only other part they really screwed up was that Dave lands in front of the airplane so they can't take off, which I was like, it's not exciting, but it's actually a pretty good way to keep the, heli- uh, the airplane from moving. Sure. And after MacGyver fights Buddy, 
Dave jumps out of the helicopter while it's still running, which is mm. normal. People do that all the time. But you see he runs over uh, to help him subdue Buddy, and then five seconds later, it's all shut down. Rotors aren't turning. It's magically shut down. Yeah. Magically off. <laughs> Even though no one was in the helicopter to shut it off, right? Correct. Yeah, yeah correct. Yeah, yeah. Well, thanks for giving me your time. I appreciate it. And uh, it's been really, really fun. Thanks for sharing your thoughts. Uh, yeah, my pleasure. Well, um, before we move on here, um, I found a little information I thought you guys might uh, be interested in. So this episode, I, I looked it up because I wanted to know who wrote it because it's so different, like in mm -hmm. tone and everything. And it was a female writer named Judy Burns. Uh, mm. This lady's real interesting uh, to me. She wrote for Hollywood for 20 years, and this is at the very end of her career. So she wrote from 68 to 88. And, uh, and she usually wrote like one or two episodes of a show on spec and then she would move on so she's written like star trek and magnum pi and knight rider and fantasy island and wonder woman like mm -hmm. all these shows and she was apparently brought on to macgyver to write for them and she she did like one thing and then she quit because she because as we've covered before in the show season one was a bit of a shit show behind the scenes <laughs> as they were trying to figure out what the show was um so uh she wrote the opening gambit for the gauntlet episode which was the map one the map oh i love yeah. that one though yeah. so, as, as we've discussed okay yeah. so the map where there where he's chased by uh the dudes on horseback in the right. desert right. in the middle east and then he escapes, escapes to a hot air balloon, balloon right. Right. patches um, a hole with a map yep um so she wrote that and then she wrote this entire episode and then she started work on the heist and she got so frustrated with the heist that she quit I'm going to read out a little bit of an interview that I found. Um, uh, uh, she said the original executive producer, Jerry Ludwig loved old movies. So he had uh, hit this movie of the week idea that he would go back and make a MacGyver episode out of. Um, she said, it was not what I was used to doing. I really thought that making up your own stories was a better way to go. Sometimes trying to pigeonhole MacGyver into a movie that already existed worked and other times it didn't work. So we've, now we're getting to the bottom of like why two other shows so far have used repurposed footage from existing movies. Um, yeah. she said once Jerry Ludwig left and Steve Downing took over, the show started becoming more interesting because Steve was a much more well-grounded writer. The series eventually came, became what I always thought it should become. And then I loved it. Um, from the very beginning, I said these episodes are hard to write because you don't have somebody back home that cares about MacGyver. It all eventually evolved into a vision that I had, but it certainly took a while for that to happen. So she kind of went on about how like it took till season two or so for them to like get this Pete character figured out and what MacGyver's deal was and give him some people who actually cared about him. And this is all stuff she was clearly advocating for right at the beginning. And they were like, no, we're going to steal old movie footage and make it all. <laughs> that makes me look at that episode with the Italian job and with um, that ant movie, <laughs> ant movie uh, yeah. through such a different lens because right? they were literally trying to rip off other right. films. That was the point. They were trying to rip off old movies. Wow. Um, okay. Yeah. That's really interesting. Anyway, uh, I know so not all of this makes sense to you, Reggie, but uh, I thought it was I'm fun. learning quickly. <laughs> <laughs> there, if you go back, uh, there are a couple of weird episodes <laughs> that use existing footage from movies. Uh, we we got to take a break. Um, when we come back, we're going to talk more with our guest. We're going to play MacGyverisms and we're going to find out where this episode falls on our DTMP rating system. So stick around, we'll be right back. 2020 has been a dumpster fire. I'm Lori. 
And I'm Natalie, and together we are the foremothers of Butt Canyon, a self-sufficient utopia to clean the slate and start again. But we can't let just anyone in. Yeah, like what if you're annoying? So every week we'll interview potential residents to see what they can bring to Butt Canyon. You can listen to Settlers wherever you listen to podcasts. Oh my God, that sounded so official. Nailed it! All right, uh, we are back with our guest, Reggie Condra. Uh, Reggie, uh, I, I want to ask you a little more about your, uh, about your childhood, your, your background. Um, Absolutely. You, you are what, a nineties kid, I'm assuming. Yeah. Um, what is stuff that, uh, other, other pop culture stuff that you were into movies, TV, video games, et cetera. Um, when I grew up, everything seemed, um, I guess what you would call PC or politically correct. Now, today, it was the dawning of that age, and I don't really remember a time where I wasn't being, you know, told about the rainforest and, <laughs> and, and you know, how rapidly that was being destructed. The, or the it, whales? Right. Endangered, <laughs> yeah. endangered species. The ozone yeah. was yeah. huge. Yes, yeah. right. It was trending at the time. <laughs> right. Um, so I feel like I grew up in that era. And um, a big, another, besides MacGyver, the other show I remember watching with, when I was this young with the same amount of fervor was <laughs> um, Captain Planet. So oh, yeah. they're like radical eco-terrorists, basically. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, and I did a little bit of reading and in like the description of MacGyver, he's environmentalist i guess he has right you know what i mean that's he dabbles yeah (laughs) he might save a rainforest now and then um he's got a lot of do-gooder causes to focus on he's yeah all over the map and he's non-violent right Mm -hmm. so those were sort of the messages that i grew up with I don't know. I just, I feel like you shouldn't litter. That's just how I feel. You shouldn't litter. Right, right. And you should cut up those um, six pack rings. Yeah. Yeah. If nothing else, that message got through to all of us. Like we, we got that one. Um, I will never not uh, break those things (laughs) apart before I try to recycle those. Yeah. I mean, you could probably go back in time to the 90s and look at what was being. Uh, what you were learning and be like, oh, this is the tip of the iceberg. <laughs> like, right. Like this was just a, the dawning of the awareness of. And oh, like, yeah. We were doing the stuff. bare minimum. I yeah, wore sure. a, t- a tie dyed T-shirt featuring a manatee. And I thought that I was saving the world. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. We did like one project on Earth Day and we're like, oh, we're yeah. good. <laughs> <laughs> we did it. Well, that's great. Um, well, I want to move on to our next segment here. Uh, we want to find out how MacGyver like both our guests and our listeners are. So buckle up. It's time for MacGyverisms. Reggie, can you think of a time when you improvised some solution to something out of found materials or something? Well, listen, yes, but this is a sight gag. I don't know how this is going to fly. Oh, okay. So once upon a time, I I hosted a stand-up show and it was um, around Halloween and Stranger Things was trending. Mm. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, oh, I know. I'm going to host this as Barb from Stranger Things. Nice. So I bought a wig. And um, the thing is, to me, anyway, Barb's look was asymmetrical. Like, you know, if you've seen the show, you know what I mean? Like an auburn color, perm, but mm. like one side was weighted differently. I'm sorry, it was. You yeah. know, it just, 
So I'm like, I know exactly how I'm going to do this. And what I did was this. Hang on now. All right. We definitely have one. One side is longer than the other. I can tell our yep. listeners that right now. But now, but here's the cool thing. Lately, uh, working from home, we have a morning Zoom check-in. And on Wednesdays, it's Wig Wednesday. So. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, not wanting to invest in like a new wig every Wednesday, but also wanting to keep things, you know, <laughs> spicy. So, so I can do this. And this is clearly giving Barb from Stranger Things. Obviously, you can see that. Sure. But then it's like, am I vegan? Like, I don't know. Am I? Yeah. So what, what Reggie's done is is shifted the wig. Rotated, so now yeah. it's sort of like, yeah, rotated the wig. So now it's like an emo front man look. Like, that's kind of what I see it as. I say, you know, I'm moving to Austin, Texas. You know what I mean? <laughs> I've, I've made a lifestyle change. I'm different now. You don't know the new me. So there's that. And then I want to give you one more thing. Oh Calm down. So now we're tucking the long part behind. Oh, and we are putting on. Is that camo? Am I at a Trump hat. rally now? You can't <laughs> wow. tell anymore. And this is. So I'm giving you versatility. I'm giving you different looks, but I've MacGyvered this wig is what okay. I think. Yeah. I mean, we saw that wig <laughs> multiple looks. So, um, I mean, I don't want to criticize because certainly you've demonstrated the versatility of this wig. <laughs> Are you positing Reggie that your MacGyverism is cutting a wig with scissors? I, but you didn't, I didn't have my rubber band because sometimes I'll throw a rubber band and I can make a cute, a cute side ponytail. Okay, extra points for that. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Well, that's great. Thank you for sharing it with us. I did take a screen grab, so I may post yes. it on our Instagram. Oh, I don't mind. <laughs> uh, Andy, do we have a, any listener uh, or uh, web sourced MacGyverism? Yes, this week? we do. We do have one. Um, and once again, sometimes I read these when they're really complicated and I don't fully <laughs> understand everything that's going on. Um, this is going to be one of those. Um, <laughs> Okay, this person said, I was stopped at a rest stop on the highway and someone was having trouble with their car. Turned out they'd gotten a new battery, but it wasn't quite the right one and the posts were too small, so the cables weren't staying on well. Okay, I vaguely understand that. Uh, I found an empty soda can in the trash and used the blade and scissors on my Swiss Army knife to cut a couple of long rectangular pieces out of the can. Then I used the file to clean and uh, to scrape the paint off the outside and the protective coating off the inside, I wrapped them around the post to make them bigger and got a nice snug connections from the battery cables. So this guy took wow. a, a soda can to be like a conductor for a car battery. Yeah. Um, that is, that's yeah, phenomenal. that's a thing I would not. That's phenomenal. The only way do. that could be more MacGyver is if, is if the only way out of like a prison camp was that car. <laughs> yeah. But it reminds me of something that I actually did this week as a MacGyverism, which is uh, because the air quality is so poor around here. Like I didn't want to pay all this money to buy like a big air filter. And I had one um, that my upstairs neighbor slash landlady had lent us. But um, there are these like cheap things that you can buy at the hardware store that are just air filters. And so duct taped it to a box fan. And so that is. Um, <laughs> is it? 
it working? Yes. Do you have nice. any way of testing the air quality in your apartment to see if it's working or does it just feel better? It feels, it, that, I know that the air. Is this a placebo? I know that the air is circulating through the filter, which it previously wasn't. That's and good. also all the windows have to be closed, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> in the home uh because of the oh. actual smoke and ash that's outside but um yeah so, but i was proud of myself that it was like a money saving hack yeah that's a good hack uh all right if you have a macgyverism to share uh wh- why don't you email us at the macgyverpod at gmail.com or dm us on instagram or twitter at the macgyverpod uh hey we have a new website too which is the macgyverpod.com uh that concludes macgyverisms uh, we're going to move on. What's next, Annie? We are on a mission to figure out what the best episode of MacGyver is. So we are going to rate this episode. That is right. It's time for It's Classified. Uh, this is a rapid fire game, and each of us is going to score last stand from one through 10 on four different characteristics. All right. I'm going to start with you, Reggie. Okay. First of all, from one through 10, how exciting was this episode? How exciting did you it, find it? It was quite suspenseful. Um, I truly didn't know what was going to happen from one scene <laughs> to the next. Yeah. So I'm going to have to say eight. Great. Awesome. Well done. Annie? I am saying seven. Seven. Okay. I'm going to go with an eight as well. Um, next category, uh, acting and writing. We're going to put that <laughs> in the same category. Well, how did you find the acting and writing to be, Reggie? There were monologues that moved me they changed me <laughs> i'm i'm not the same anymore so i'm gonna give it a, a nine as far oh as acting wow. and writing oh, that was I'm, amazing the bar is low i mean we're gonna get you if you ever have to audition for anything we're gonna get you the script to this and you can do one of these monologues as your <laughs> oh audition. my god please do the vietnam vet monologue <laughs> as any audition any, any of our listeners uh please do that and film it uh Annie, oh my god think? if we can get a challenge going where people film themselves right? doing that monologue I, I i nothing would make me happier now, than so that. there's a trend happening right now during covid which is that you pick something that's sort of like you pick a movie that's kind of easy to film or something uh, and and you break it up among a d- bunch of different people and each person take each crew takes yes. a scene and then you cobble it all together and they're doing that with castaway right now vcam is right where like different people are filming different scenes from castaway and then they're okay. going to cobble it all together into like a cover movie <laughs> of castaway wow. so Actually, Last Stand would be a pretty good episode for that, I think. <laughs> like, I could see, like, okay, I've got the garage scene, and I'm just going to do the garage scene. Yes. And, Reggie, you're going to do the dirt dirt digging scene. Yes. Uh, I would love to be in the freezer. That's, great. That's going to be my <laughs> scene that I film. You're going to be – I meant to mention this before, but the – there was there was some trend in the eighties about like there was something hot about a girl wearing a guy's oversized sweatshirt, mm-hmm. jacket, coat, what have you. Something uh, maybe it's just like a vulnerable look or something, but like big hair and a big oversized men's jacket mm-hmm. was like very sexy in the eighties. Yeah, I would definitely. I love that look for multiple reasons. One, as you mentioned, it's very hot, and two, uh, it's <laughs> it's a way to be hot while covering uh, the most of your body possible. Right, and right. I am like so on board with that. Totally. I love that. Uh, but in terms of acting and writing in this episode, <laughs> I have to give it a four. Like okay. I'm. Just, uh, buddy, like, I love you, but 
<laughs> he needs some work. Uh, I'm going to bump this one up. I was impressed with the way it was structured. I just thought the tension was there and it was like, yes, there were some shitty acting moments, but I really enjoyed it. So I'm going to go with, can I do seven and a half? That's what I'm going to do, seven <laughs> and a half. <laughs> uh, all right, next category, sheer innovation. This is the innovation factor of the of the gags that he pulls during the episode. So... Picture all the things he did. We didn't talk about the remote control plane. What would you rate that on a scale of one to ten in ingenuity? Dying to talk about the plane. Now this is where <laughs> now this is where I get critical. I'm gonna say five. Okay. Because half of these didn't work for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mm. The freezer's been spoken about. I want to mm. talk about the model plane. <laughs> and the idea of can just please correct me if I'm wrong. Taping a fertilizer bomb to that. Am mm -hmm. I right? Yes. Um, yes. Dousing said bomb in olive oil. <laughs> not, not really naming if it's extra virgin or not. Not saying that. No. Um, but, but, but uh, sort of sparking the fuse on the plane and then, you know, remote controlling it on its way right next to an actual uh, like a real life plane yeah. to make um a distraction explosion am i right on all this i think you're this is what absolutely 100 percent. yeah but yeah. i'm just like did oh that fuse really it did it like first of all stayed lit mm -hmm. and then didn't detonate until it reached where it was supposed to yeah the santa Ana winds can we talk <laughs> can we talk about them <laughs> and what a factor they are and how it's just totally asking a lot of the audience yeah, to believe sure. that that would have ever... not only that but all the bad guys for maybe the second or third time in the episode congregated around this distraction like, without oh, one of them uh. without, without one of them just standing back and being like why don't i look for macgyver <laughs> Yeah, I, there's a lot of the bomb stuff bothered me in this episode because like we've we've said in previous episodes, like MacGyver is anti-gun. He is pro bomb like he is. He is not above lighting some bombs for distraction. But this is like a pre 9-11 uh, situation. Right. And so I cannot imagine on television right now showing the steps of someone making a bomb yeah. uh, in the way that this is just casually I've, done. Now, famous. Honestly, this show, uh, they were very aware that kids were watching this show and they uh, famously always removed at least one ingredient from the steps to actually make it or changed one ingredient. <laughs> Yeah, that information. They didn't want to give that information out to kids, you know. But like, I'm picking up on it through the course of many episodes of MacGyver building bombs. Like, I'm getting that yeah. fertilizer <laughs> is yeah, something right. you need for that. Uh, I'm piecing I mean, that one together. It's always it is always distraction bombs. I did love the little grenades. I thought they were fun, and uh, they were like almost like firecrackers or something. They were fun. Uh, but I get it. Yeah. I get your yeah yeah. So what what did you what did you think about the the gags? Annie. I am going to say six for this episode because I thought that the um, bicycle torch thing was good enough to yeah. bump that up for me. I also really liked um, the the fire hose on the that chase scene. Yeah. I thought that was actually really cool. Yeah, yeah. Did not care for the uh, freezer and definitely did not care for the remote control plane. Um, yeah. But, <laughs> you know, sometimes you need to fly a chopper specifically with the intention of just knocking one guy down um, right. and so that's <laughs> Uh, after 10 it. after 10 years of flashbacks from Vietnam. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, I'm going to give it, I think you're right, I'm going to give it a six as well. Our final category of the four is 80s cool factor. 
Uh, how cool would you say you think this is in an 80s context, Reggie, if, if you had to put it up against like the coolest <laughs> shit you can think of from the 80s? Uh-huh. I'm, I, I feel like I may be too generous and I'm just going to own that. I want to sure. give it another 10 because <laughs> I, I don't see where they You haven't given wrong. a 10 yet. Is this, this is your oh, first yeah, 10. I, th- I thought I gave, I, I gave a very high number earlier. You gave nine for you the You gave a nine to uh, something. I was, I was being lean. I was like, okay. But you're going to say 10 for this. 10 out of 10. Okay. I don't see where they went wrong. I was never confused <laughs> that it was another decade. I wasn't like, <laughs> is this maybe 91? Is this 79? <laughs> um, yeah, it was very cool. That's I, amazing. Was, I think you are the first guest we've had to give a 10 to anything so far. So that's exciting. Uh, I don't know. There's a little 70s flavor for sure in the beer cans and the tight jeans and the dirty rednecks. And like, it has like a little bit of 70s flair. I love the bandanas on the the bad crew. I love (laughs) those bandanas with their cans of beer that just say beer on it. Like I just, (laughs) I love every minute of that. Now, uh, uh, Andy doesn't love to give 80s Cool Factor uh, high scores to, uh, to episodes without sunglasses. But um, what did you think of this one? I don't like to give it without sunglasses. And I don't, no one was shirtless in this. Like MacGyver had his shirt on the whole time. Buddy never, never took his shirt off, I don't think. So I'm going to say seven then. Okay. For me, like the, the, the blonde, like super big hair blonde, in the big jacket is very eighties to me. Like that's a very eighties cool thing. Um, yeah. Am I going to give this one a lower score than you, Annie? I think I am. I'm going to give it a six. Uh, that's crazy. Uh, okay. So we have a couple, we have three bonus questions. If any of these are true, it gets five points automatically. That's all. Uh, he helps out an old friend. Does that happen this episode? No, certainly these are all strangers to him. Does an ex-girlfriend make an appearance? No, no, not that we know of. And is he detained against his will? I think we established that. Yes, he is. Although you would have liked that to happen sooner. (laughs) Throw the threat in jail faster. Um, so that is uh, that is it. That's been It's Classified. Uh, now it's time to reveal the results. At a total of 135 possible points, this episode receives 88 and a half points, making it, and you're not going to believe this, the best episode of MacGyver we've watched so far. Wow. Uh-huh. It beat The Thief of Budapest. <sighs> And it is in first place. How do you feel about that, Annie? <laughs> I think it's I all Reggie. Love, I think it's I Reggie was very, the very charitable. Thief of Budapest so much. <laughs> I just, I don't think Last Stand is better than Thief of Budapest. But you know what? Uh, I gotta respect the rankings. Uh, before we wrap it up here, uh, Reggie, where can people find you online? What are you doing these days? Is there anything you'd like to plug, etc.? Uh, yeah, absolutely. So. Um, I can definitely plug my podcast. So if you yes, brown it out. Are you doing it still? I, I am still doing it. It's been on a bit of a quarantine itself. Yeah, yeah. But um, we're on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, uh, iTunes, um, and Podbean. Yeah, check us out. So um, queer POC uh, Vermonters talking about life. Awesome. Any parting thoughts that we missed, Annie or Reggie? Anything we you desperately wanted to talk about that we didn't get to? Well, I was asked what what holds up now. Um, oh yeah, we didn't really like, explicitly state that. So I'm I'm preparing and I'm thinking what holds up now is that fragile masculinity will be your downfall. Um, that mm. is my takeaway. <laughs> is that it's truly going to get you in the end? So that's a 
Lesson. I feel like you are so generous to the writers and actors in <laughs> right? this show that you feel <laughs> that there's like some bigger message uh, right, that right. they're trying. <laughs> I was generous. Yes, you're right. I perhaps too much. But that's my nature. I can't help it. I'm sorry. I love it. It's, <laughs> I, it's really fun when we have a guest who is either super hard on the episode or really loves it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, any, any parting thoughts from you, Annie? Those are, no, I think we've covered it all. I I am insulted that we are meant to believe this is <laughs> that MacGyver went fishing at a fishing hole in Arizona. Um, I also just, you will hate, you will hate this. I read something that said later on, we find out that his dad died when he was seven. So he also crammed all of these fishing trips in and MacGyver remembers where it was in Arizona, despite having grown up in Minnesota and his dad dying at seven. <laughs> so, you know, Incredible. we're still figuring out, um, we're still figuring out his story. <laughs> yeah. His story is, is, uh, still being revised, but, uh, but yeah, I'm excited to, to see the next one and there's just always a surprise when we keep watching the show. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh my God. Well, thank you guys so much. That's it for this week. Thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, please subscribe and rate and review and hey, tell all your Gen X and Gen Y friends about this show. And if you want to watch old episodes of MacGyver along with us, they're available on CBS All Access or you can buy them on Amazon for a buck an episode. Next week, we'll be breaking down season one, episode eight, Hellfire. Take care, everybody. Remember, in the immortal words of our buddy Mac, friends are the adventures of life. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Good night. Good night.